0: The Dukes of Hazard won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen
1: X-Files. Peace in my life. Remember the call. Oh, dear for my brothers. Think of them all. Home of the free. We'll never fall. Strength for our nation. Belongs to us all.
0: Welcome to the Gen X-Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Rambo, Rambo First Blood, Blood Part, Part two. 2. If you couldn't
2: figure that out from the amazing song. Well, Prison. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh oh <laughs> man, Frank Stallone. He was great. He was liquid love, baby. That's, the li- what, that's what they used to call him. His voice, his tonsils were liquid love. I will
2: never get that image out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, Frank Stallone the is liquid, liquid love. love. The I, other I, one I, was
0: I, what? The big, the big Babu. The big. Or, bab- what was it? <laughs> Stone, Italian oh, Stallion? Yeah, stallion. Yeah, the Italian stallion. Italian stallion. Yeah. And it's weird that he was known throughout his career as the Italian stallion, and just kind of like was like, all right, I was in it. Yeah. And that's who I am. Yeah.
2: He just owned it. I mean, that's that's Sylvester Stallone, man. <laughs> the most successful pornography star. Uh, yeah, minted. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, we'll find out uh, throughout to the, the show here that he definitely has no shame <laughs> whatsoever. Uh-uh. Uh, all right, well, take yourself back to 1985. Ooh. Yeah. January 28th, the charity single record "We Are the World" is recorded by USA for Africa. Yeah, man,
0: we are the world. Are.
2: Yeah, it had like a hundred billion yeah. artists in it, and there were like so many Bono. And, and Michael Jackson. <laughs> that was
0: written by Michael
2: Jackson and Lionel
0: Richie. Ooh, who loves dancing on the ceiling. And, um, produced by Quincy Jones. Yeah, yeah. Whose daughter is
2: Janet Jones? Rashida Jones. Oh, Rashida Jones. That's right. Great actress. You're right. You're right. You're actor. Right. Great actor. I always forget that is. Uh, yeah, that's right. Quincy Jones. Yeah, she hasn't done anything for a while. It seems. I don't, I, I think I miss her. she was in something. Yeah, she's really good. No. I am really kind of sad. Doesn't need to work, though. I mean, yeah. she's, she's done her bit if she wants to but she's stopped. definitely made her money, yeah. Uh, March 11th, 1985, Mikhail Gorbachev becomes General Secretary of the Soviet Communist Party and de facto leader of the Soviet Union. Yeah, and everybody just talked about that. Schmear on his forehead birthmark weird birthmark i didn't just say weird it was just a birthmark yeah uh, april 23rd coca-cola changes its formula and releases new coke the response is overwhelmingly negative and the original formula is back on the market in less than three months
0: yeah it just goes to show you how petrified americans are of change <laughs> it was barely there's a negligible difference it yeah, tastes bad. It was just a I mental know. thing because pe- if, if Coke would have rolled out that recipe without even saying that it was a new Coke recipe, I exactly. guarantee you only about 2% of Coke drinkers would be like,
2: hmm, this, this tastes so old. It's weird, yeah. Yeah, I, I, the fact they call it new Coke is just weird. I don't like new things. Yeah, I don't know. I to be honest, I haven't looked up anything about New Coke, so I don't know why it was different and why they decided to do this. But just a small change to the recipe. It kind of feels like it was a marketing thing, just so they could yeah. they could up the sales of Coke Classic, as they uh, eventually called it. Who knows? Yeah, it was a weird time in <laughs> the '80s. Man, a lot of a lot of weird risks. A lot of people on cocaine. <laughs> Rolling out New
0: what Coke. If, <laughs> what if we? Uh, what if we had New Coke? What if we needed New Coke? What are you talking about? <laughs> talking about Coca Cola? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was, new Coke was fueled by old Coke, which
2: was (laughs) classic Coke, which is cocaine. Yeah. Uh, May 22nd, Rambo First Blood Part 2 is released into theaters. So coming off of a successful first foray with First Blood, making a sizable profit, and being well-received by critics, could Rambo First Blood Part 2 repeat the same success? I don't know. We'll have to stay tuned to find
0: (laughs) out. I remember seeing, I know we're going to do a First Blood show, but I just have to, man, I remember seeing it. In the theater. I was alone in the theater because I was theater bouncing. Nobody was there for yeah, some reason. Yeah, And the rat scene came on. Oh, yeah. Where he's going through the tunnels and the rat. And I was deathly afraid of Ooh, rats. Oh, no. I literally climbed under the seat and wow. hid until after that scene was open. That seems like a bad was place open. to hide from rats. <laughs> well, I didn't want to see it. Like, seeing it was making me... Very uncomfortable underneath, as a young man. underneath the
2: seat with you was a rat going, I'm scared of rats too, Yeah, man. exactly. He was my buddy, Ben. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the first Rambo film, called First Blood, as you said, was based off a 1972 novel, the same name. And a really good movie. And, and it's a great movie. Uh, definitely a very different movie from Rambo First Blood Part 2. Uh, well, here's the thing. And, and we're going to talk about this. But I see
0: Part 2 as the bridge between the grounded good movie that First Blood is mm-hmm and the ridiculous uh propaganda movie oh, yeah. that Rambo 3 yeah. is. It is
2: definitely a bridge because there's definitely some decent parts in 2. The mid- f- the first hour of 2 is much more like the yeah. first movie and yes. then it just And then it's just
0: insane. relitigating the Vietnam War <laughs> and letting and letting everybody just relish in the fact that he it it's just yeah person after person after... There's so he literally just wipes it's genocide to Vietnamese people that <laughs> All of these it's movies. I, yeah. I don't think in the Rambo universe there's anybody left in Vietnam.
2: No, no. He's murdered everyone. Yeah. <sighs> uh, Rambo, uh, sorry, First Blood was released in October of 1982 and became Carol Co. Pictures' first huge success. Oh, yeah. Carol Carolco? Carol Co. I
0: think so. I mean, that's how I always pronounce it as a kid because I saw a lot of But I mean,
2: it's definitely Carol Co.
0: <laughs> Carol Co. But I always was like, Carol Oco.
2: Uh, Carol Co. was founded by Mario Kassar and Andrew Vanya, two film investors in 1976. Uh, the two were hailed by Newsweek as some of the most successful independent producers of all time. Oh, yeah. Well, they fo- they followed the uh, the Corman. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the recipe. By the age of 25, uh, Vanya went... Went from wig maker to the owner of two Hong Kong theaters. Nice. Uh, Then Vanya ventured into the production and distribution of feature films. One of his early productions was a 1973 martial arts film entitled The Deadly China Doll, which made $3.7 million off of a $100,000 budget. Nice. Yeah, it's good work. The Deadly China Doll starred Angela Mao and Carter Wong, who would later appear as Thunder in Big Trouble in Little China. Like, like both of them? No, just Carl <laughs> no, just... Although, Angela Mao was a huge... Like, she was a... She had the long ponytail that she would use to whip people. Oh, yeah. And had the blade in the end. She was a big martial artist. Nice. Uh, uh, star. The, the video game character Bayonetta, I believe, was based on Oh, that. yeah. That actually that actually is right. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, at the age of 15, Cassar had purchased several Italian and French films for distribution in the Far East... At the age of 15. Yeah, well, that means, oh, did he have money? Did he come from money? Apparently. I, no, I, I don't know what his... I mean, he... Yes. Even if he did, it's yes. pretty impressive that at 15, you're I mean, regardless, a film distributor. To have that kind of knowledge of like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Uh, they bought the name Carolco from a defunct Panamanian company, and according to Cassar it means Nothing! Yeah. Uh, the first film they invested in together was The Sicilian Cross in 1975, starring Roger Moore. Ew. Uh, they bought the rights to that film for $130,000, and then immediately Mario Cassar flew to Asia and sold it for $220,000. Well, yeah, it was perfect timing because somebody was taking over the Bond franchise. Yes. And he had already
0: made a name for him in yeah. The Saint and...
2: Yeah, yeah, he was a—but it was. it's just impressive to, like, literally within a week make a $90,000 profit. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it, it's smart yeah. business acumen. Uh, for the rest of the 70s, the, uh, Mario Cassar and Andrew Vanya mainly invested in and produced low-budget films, knowing they could sell them on the international market for a profit. Uh, they first met Sylvester Stallone while producing the 1981 film Escape to Victory, the World War II POW WS2 soccer movie, also starring Max Van sydow or oh, wow— Michael Caine, Max von Sydow, Michael Caine, and Pele. It's Pele. a good movie. That yeah. was
0: one of those movies that played on
2: HBO all the time. Oh, yeah, the yeah.
0: time,
1: all of it. It's the bestest blues guy. this dumb guy and he made him the goalie.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. It's a great
1: movie. It is. It's well, a- it's a
0: good
2: movie. Yes. Age is better with time because of the actors, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, so this led them to investing in First Blood, which became Carol Coe's biggest hit. Uh, in 1983, Carol Co sold foreign distribution rights for First Blood to distributors in Europe and Japan. They used the idea of a sequel to help sell First Blood. Uh... Yeah, like, so essentially they would say, buy this movie, we're guaranteeing you another movie in 18 months. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they did a lot of tricks that are used today, you know, using foreign sales to basically bankroll your movie. You're doing the pre-sales. You know, that you was, sell uh, off your movie before it's even made.
2: Yeah, the, the the International Film Sales Agency I worked for, literally, that was the, the way they did every single movie they invested in. Yeah. Uh, was they always sold the, the Asian and the European rights first. Uh, you would package more movies together to give higher sale numbers, regardless if sequels would actually be sold or not. Uh, they initially scheduled the film for a December 1984 release, despite the fact that there were no plans yet for a second movie. Uh, eventually, it was rescheduled for August 1st, 1985. Uh, to give them a little more time. Well, they didn't use it. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Co. turned back to Buzz Fightchans, who had produced First Blood. Uh, and also Is he an astronaut? The greatest name ever. <laughs> no, I, I, he might have been in space a little bit. Uh, Buzz had a string of hits working with John Milius. There's really only two types
0: of people that have the nickname Buzz. Yeah. One's an astronaut. And the other's an
2: alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say he falls on the ladder in this one, probably. Uh, he also produced Conan the Barbarian, which was released just six days before Rambo First Blood Part Two. in 1985. Nice. Was... Two big muscle buddies all going up against each other. He was oh. a very busy buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes. that was really bad. Busy buzz. Busy buzz. Uh, so the producers turn to young writer Kevin Jarre. Jarre is the son of actor Laura Devon and her second husband, Cleland Clark, a fashion photographer. Devon had a TV career in the 1960s, appearing in shows like the hidden Yeah. H- appearing in shows like The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, The Twilight Zone, and Rawhide. Uh, Kevin uh, Kevin was adopted by Devin's fourth husband, French composer Maurice Jarre, shortly after they were married. Maurice Jarre. He's one of the greats. Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, In England, while Maurice was scoring the film Ryan's Daughter, Kevin became a friend of writer-director David Lean, who encouraged him to take up screenwriting and directing. Interesting. Kevin was was 16 at the time. And it's like, yeah, this is my buddy David. (laughs) He just makes some movies. It's cool crazy yeah kevin had written a story treatment that the producers and stallone really liked so they had a meeting with kevin he recalled i wrote the first draft of rambo and i just did it i was living on dog food at the
0: time and i you know needed a gig, and i wanted to finish a spec script and i was that i was writing and you know they called stallone called me and and uh they had this idea about what they should do in the sequel to the first blood. And I said, Well, how about if maybe he searches for POWs in Southeast Asia? Maybe back in Vietnam. He said, Great. Let's
2: do it. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh that was that was pretty much it. <clears throat> uh so for the people that are listening that aren't aware of just how big the POW MIA whole um Vietnam era uh
0: Well, look. There was a fiasco, crisis,
2: whatever you want to call it.
0: Vietnam is not a very good example of American history. No, no. uh, It was a mess. Uh, There were a lot of horrible things done there, and the veterans were treated horribly when they returned. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was the first time that that any veteran had returned from quote unquote, losing a war and yeah. all of the atrocities, they were blaming everybody. So these guys never got their due. Right. You know, right. they thought there were people left behind. And so there was kind of this collective guilt in the 80s about how everything was handled back yes. then. Yes, And so we basically relitigated Vietnam through these movies and TV yeah. shows and kind of it was a lot of wish fulfillment. Yeah, and there was there was a, a definite concerted effort to, to... look for redemption, Yeah." sort of redemption arcs for this horrible
2: time in our history yeah yeah so operation homecoming in 1973 saw the government make a concerted effort to get u.s pow's out of vietnam it resulted in 591 pow's coming home but it just wet the appetite of the u.s public about their treatment and the potential for pow's that were still there even after the u.s exit from vietnam in 1975 there were an estimated. 1,350 POWs, and the remains of 1,200 MIA soldiers still in Vietnam. Well, yeah. Which is crazy to me. I I mean, yeah. Well, okay. it
0: was a, you know, it wasn't, it was a messy war, man. I know, and it was, I, know it, I know, You know, it was hard to reclaim the bodies. There was a lot of. Yeah. Uh, there
2: was a lot of. I, the remains, I understand. Because yeah. it's like, well, it, it's hard to go back and just get this stuff, you know, so they can have proper burials. But they literally left 1,300 people behind. Yeah. They had no idea if they were alive or not. Uh, you can assume they were alive. Like that, just seems really, well, it was really
0: shitty. Again, <laughs> you know, that's, it was not. Uh, it was not a good time. No, it was in wasn't. our in our history, it and it was it was it was a flawed. And this is no disrespect to the veterans who served, because you know they're heroes, except for the ones that did yeah. the horrible there, atrocities. There were but definitely some that did. The bad majorities things, of the yeah, the people that served. Served heroically and dutifully, yeah. but it's they were in a losing situation. Yeah. They were in a war they never needed to be in. This was just another boogeyman communist yeah. proxy war for Russia
2: that we kept doing. So, you know, it's. I mean, I would argue that ninety nine percent of the soldiers there did not want to be there. No, they were drafted. Yes, they, they didn't sign up for this. They just got sent there no. and said, "Shoot these guys," yeah. and then go home and deal with the fact that you are going to be ridiculed for the rest of your life. Yes,
0: and it also was a one. Of, it was the first war too, where we. Where there was no real uniform for the other side. You yeah. didn't know. You yeah. would go into a village and you didn't know who was with the Viet Cong and who was against the Viet Cong right. and which people were on your side and which people were against your side. And it was a whole different way of fighting and a whole different way of psychological warfare against yeah. these soldiers. So, And it was also the first war to really have drugs be yeah. a huge part of what's going on be it heroin LSD pot whatever yeah. there was yeah. a lot of drug use because like you said nobody wanted to be there yeah So they they're escaping you as much to. as they yeah. can yeah you know so it's just it's such a complicated part of our history and what do we do when history is complicated we try to make it super easy <laughs> we, and palatable we
2: we make really bad movies yes, we <laughs> to make, make propaganda it seem, films. seem like it's better than it was exactly <laughs> We change history and make everything better with our wish fulfillments. (laughs) So a vocal group of POW MIA activists maintains that there has been a concerted conspiracy by the Vietnamese and U.S. government since then to hide the existence of these left-behind prisoners. The U.S. government has steadfastly denied that prisoners were left behind or that any effort has been made to cover, cover up their existence. It had a huge impact on popular culture, with characters getting POW backstories in TV and films, such as Magnum and Magnum P.I. Yeah, there was a whole, you know, big Magnum
0: storyline about bringing back POWs. Yeah. And, you know, he was a POW himself, Mm -hmm. and I think they brought back, I mean, there was a whole, like, Manchurian Candidate thing, and it's like they, again, one of the best shows in the world, Magnum P.I., but it did a lot of... Relitigating of the Vietnam yeah, War, yeah, you know, because yeah. it was the 80s. It was the, you know, those were the dads now. Those were the middle aged right, guys right, in the 80s right. was, you know, the
2: guys that served their time. Well, and it's like, I think a lot of it is that they, those guys didn't want to think that they wasted six years of their lives doing this this crap. You know, I mean.
0: And let's be honest, too. The rah-rah Reagan years were yeah,
2: very, you know,
0: pro-propaganda yeah. America, you know, rah-rah-rah. Yeah, good or bad, you know, America but off, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: The whole point of this damn thing is, is Reagan's rah-rah 80s. Uh, several congressional investigators have looked into the issue, culminating with the largest and most thorough, the United States Senate Select Committee on POW-MIA affairs of 1991 to 1993, led by Senators John Kerry, Bob Smith and John McCain, all three of whom served in Vietnam and one of whom had been a POW. Uh, It found no compelling
0: evidence that proves that any American remains alive in captivity in Southeast Asia. And I trust those guys, especially McCain, because he he, was a prisoner of war. That guy was so. If they had been there, he would have found them. Right. But, you know, say what you want about McCain and his politics or whatever. But he was such an advocate for veterans and for disabled, you know, because that guy gave his body. Yeah. You know. He was a prisoner. He couldn't lift his arms because yeah. of the torture that he went through, that guy. You know, he
2: was a war hero. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he deserved a lot better at the end.
2: He did. He definitely did. Uh, so so that's the background with our POW and MIA affairs. Uh, and hopefully the end of my soapbox. It's not. I mean, it's, it's a huge. It, you have to understand this part of it to understand Rambo First Blood Part 2. And going and, and through why, it, you
0: know. living through it. Yeah. There was the stages, man, because it started with the rah-rah, wish fulfillment, and rewriting of history. Right. And then certain filmmakers who lived through it, like Oliver Stone, you know, who was yeah. a veteran himself, was like, no, yeah,
2: this is what happened.
0: Right. And then we got the other side, which was all of the real gritty... Platoon and, yeah, and all and the, the actual look at what happened to well, the Michael soldiers. J. Fox. Well, Casualties happened of, happened of horror. Here, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you know, if there was a lot – oh, and Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Stanley Kubrick. Stanley yeah. Kubrick. I mean, all the guys started telling the real story of it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so it was – there was kind of a clash between these pseudo-propaganda films and then these, you know, pseudo-realistic films. yeah.
2: I would I would argue that stuff like Platoon and Full Metal Jacket would not exist if it wasn't for things like Rambo First Blood Part Two. Oh, and and, and then that faction of people going, it was not happy shiny, right. let's go save people. It was awful. Yeah. And
0: well, you couldn't I mean look, all the World War Two movies
2: were propaganda, but they were great,
0: you know, and even the ones that came after yeah. it, yeah. There weren't a lot of bad stories told because we basically no. were no. fighting the supreme evil. Right. Hitler. Right.
2: Yeah. You know, fascists. I mean, they were they were universally bad. Right. You <laughs> yes. know, there were,
0: I don't, it's countless movies with Nazis being the villains. Yes. Beyond before and after World War II. Yes, even. yes. You know, I think they probably even throw some Nazis into some of these Vietnam movies, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, here's, but, you yeah. know, it's, I get it. I get this kind of backlash to know this was our experience. And the thing about these Vietnam films that came out, they weren't, Necess- they weren't necessarily condemning the veterans. Right. They were explaining right. why the veterans went through what they did yeah. and why they yeah. were taking the drugs and why everything was so horrible and, and right. the hell that they were living through. Apocalypse Now.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah.
0: Platoon. These movies were brutal. Yeah. And yeah. it didn't at all glorify or... Make war something that you know yeah. that anybody would be, would be a part of. And I think that's part of what drove these guys to make these answers to Rambo and Missing in Action and yeah, all yeah. these wish fulfillment movies is like, we don't want you guys to use the false narrative of Vietnam to get kids to join the armed forces. Right. Right. And, you know, and, and go under
2: false pretenses. Right, so it right, was really exactly. interesting, man. Yeah, it was, it was a really a, interesting time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the producers of uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two decided that Rambo needed a sidekick to go save all those POWs still captured in
0: Vietnam. Yeah, see, I'm your sidekick. What are we going to do, Rambo? Where are we going to go? Hey, when do I get a machine gun, Rambo?
2: The, you shut up, eh? i was just trying to do my thing. Well, okay, Rambo, whatever you say, Rambo, okay. The producers actually wanted John Travolta to play the sidekick, <laughs> but Stallone <laughs> nixed the idea.
1: Yeah, it'd be too confusing with...
2: Well, they they had just worked together on staying Alive. Yeah. So it was I get <laughs> why they're not working together, because that
0: P.O.S. was awful. And it has the greatest <laughs> cameo. Stallone did his Hitchcock cameo. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite director's cameo. It's... Of any movie ever. So, John Travolta, poor son of a bitch that had to go through this awful, awful, awful sequel. He's walking down the street and bumps into Stallone, who's wearing this big old white fur coat and Oh, Yeah. He yeah, 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 just yeah, like yeah. his back and
2: looks at him. And it was just like, F you! F you. Uh, so, Kevin Jare wrote a treatment for the, after the meeting that he had with Stallone and the producers. Uh, the producers actually hired James Cameron to write a first draft screenplay from Kevin's treatment. Nice. This is right when Cameron was becoming oh, a he, This yeah. was like his one of soul. He was writing The Terminator and Aliens at the same time. Crazy. Uh, it's a, it would be such a great time for him. Well, just like, two amazing films. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Cameron's first draft was titled First Blood 2, The Mission... Uh, According to Cameron, his script had the same basic structure of the first film, but was more violent than its predecessor. It was quite a different film from First Blood. Apart from the
0: continuation of the Rambo character, the first one was set in a small town. and had a different social consciousness from the second one, which was a very broad, stylized adventure. It was a little more violent in its execution than I had in mind in the writing.
2: Following Cameron's initial drafts, how St- did
0: you get him actually
2: saying that? Yeah, it's crazy. It I, was just, from a I called him up. We, yeah. we, we hang out once in a while. <laughs> you guys are pretty close. Uh, following Cameron's initial drafts, Stallone would take over scriptwriting duties, creating a final draft which differed from previous versions. Uh, Kevin Jare would actually receive sole story credit, while Stallone and Cameron would get credit for the screenplay in the final film. Good for him. Yeah, uh, Kevin Jare. Yeah, he ended up having a, a pretty good career. Um, yeah? And, yeah, a pretty decent career. And then, and then unfortunately, I, he had some heart disease and died wow. when he was, like, 40. No! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stallone later recalled... Uh, I
1: think that James Cabin is a brilliant talent, but I thought the politics were important. Such as a right-wing stance coming from Troutman and his nemesis Murdoch contrasted with Rambo's average neutrality, which I believe is explained in Rambo's final speech... I realize the speech is the end result, the viewers to burst veins in their eyeballs by them
2: excessively.
1: But the sentiment stated was conveyed to me
2: by many veterans. Don't forget that Stallone had been nominated for an Oscar, a BAFTA, and a Golden Globe for his screenplay for Rocky. So while he's deservedly a, so, he's not the brightest bulb in the box. Yeah, he he definitely has experience and knows what he's
0: talking about. Uh, one of my first stand up jokes as a young 16 year old was, uh, you know, uh, Sylvester Stallone wrote all of his own dialogue for Rambo. <laughs> and they'd be like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh,
0: oh, oh. <laughs> and that was the only laugh I got at my first album. Oh,
2: that. that was nice. Yeah. Uh, so Stallone went on to say, in his original draft,
1: it took nearly thirty to pages to have early action initiated, and Rambo was partnered with a techie sidekick, so it was more than just politics that were put into the script. It was also a simpler storyline, If James Cameron says anything more than that, then he realizes he's now doing the backstroke badly in a pool of lies!
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> he was very passionate about that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that Stallone thinks he's a better writer than James Cameron. I think
0: Stallone thinks he's a better everything than everybody, but you know why? Because he's got the little guy complex. He's like yeah. five foot and nothing.
1: Yeah, he is. he's a tiny man. You don't say that.
2: I'm big in, st- in stature. <laughs> Uh, So, Stallone, uh, obviously playing John James Rambo, he was a household name because of Rocky and Rocky II by this point. Oh, I loved him. I loved Uh, him. Yeah. After the release of Rocky, Roger Ebert stated that Stallone could become the next Marlon Brando. Okay. Calm down. (laughs) Calm down. Stallone co-wrote the scripts for all of the Rambo movies... Uh, he also was becoming a prolific director by this point, having directed Paradise Alley in 1978. Decent. It was about three brothers in the 40s who become professional wrestlers. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, Rocky II in 1979. Not bad. Rocky III in 1982. Oh, fun. Yeah, Rocky III is a great movie. And Staying Alive in 1983, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. He had directed all of these. Like, it's it's impressive Like how you think about Stallone, you think about how dumb he is, yeah. but he has had an amazing career. He's not dumb at all. He
0: had a stroke working out and his mouth is dead. Yeah. But the thing is, he's not a very good actor. And he what, he was what when mean? he began. He's the
2: next Marlon Brando. Yeah. What well, are you talking okay.
0: about? He has dead eyes, man. And he yeah. could have been Ram, Rambro, Rambr- Rambr- Brodo. Ram Brando. Brando. Rambro Rambro? Rambr- yeah. He could have been Brando if he didn't just become a human action figure yeah. and turn his body into this thing the way he moves in rambo is like somebody jacked a broomstick all the way up from his asshole to his skull <laughs> and, and 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 then jammed something into his shoulders and and the guy just moves around you know yeah. yeah it's ridiculous it's so unnatural and it's just the thing i always say you know the more you concentrate on your body the less you you your you know brain yes because I've been really <laughs> have on my you body. been working out so, too much. Yeah, I worked it? out today, so I got no. But you know what I mean. It's like very few actors can balance. Yeah. That you know, and he and 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 Schwarzenegger were kind of the first body actors with these yeah. ridiculously unattainable bodies that started body dysmorphia for men my age. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think. And, and then finally he goes back and Copland, gains 30 pounds, and is like, I'm going to an actor. And then he's got dead eyes. He's got dead eyes. There's
1: nothing going yeah, on in those
0: eyes. Yeah. And that's where acting is, is in your eyes. You can do as
1: many accents, gain as much yeah. weight as
0: you want. But if your eyes are dead, your performance is dead. I and would, by then, I think he, he, yeah. the passion was gone. I, I would argue that Schwarzenegger's a better actor than Stallone. He has more fun, and he's less calculated. I think Stallone, being a control freak, and I think... I think because he's a little guy, yeah. I think Stallone has insecurity of being a little guy and overcompensates and that's why he does a lot of crap.
2: Right. I right. think
0: I think Arnold one hundred percent knows who he is, yes, knows what he's good <laughs> yes. at, and controls what he needs to control and doesn't give an F about anything yeah. else yeah. and yeah. has a blast. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the
2: difference between the two dudes. I think Shortsneaker is a lot more fun to watch.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent too. Yeah, and yeah. he's doing things still that are fun to yeah. watch yeah. or different. Like I watched that zombie movie Maggie or something. Uh, I, think? I think yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was. You know, he's all he's like he's always going to be Arnold. Yeah, you know yeah. he's
2: he knows that he knows he's not he can't.
0: But he's I very don't narrow range. I don't think Stallone thinks he's always to lone. And yeah. there's a lot of missteps to prove that. Like <laughs> rhinestone yeah. and you know um, And they call him uh, Frankenstein. That's the, the song uh, that he sings in right, right, right. the musical. And I actually did it that?
2: more the, in key. Um, the um the, wasn't he the mama did the mama one was that him? No. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah stop yeah. my mama Stop on
0: my mama's shoes. So he tried all this stuff, but
2: he just wasn't yeah. game enough. He couldn't There was he, that the the gangster one he did? Was that that wasn't Rhinestone, was it?
0: No, no, the gangster. You mean the one with his daughter or whatever? I think so. Oscar, Oscar.
2: Oscar, That's what it was. Look,
0: he tried. You know, in Tango and Cash, he tried to talk really fast. All right, Tango. You know, it's like they (laughs) split the characters. I I love that movie, (laughs) hundred percent. And
2: look. I love Sylvester Stallone. It, I will admit it, Tango Cash is the only time I forget it's Stallone. Yes, because he talks. He's trying to be the real smart guy. All right, Tango.
0: I, you know, he's like, <laughs> I'm going to talk really fast. You know, it was, it yeah. was they switched the parts. You know, he should yeah. have definitely been. Yes, yes, agreed. You know, Ka- the, I don't remember which was which. I think he was Cash and it was Tango. I don't know. I don't but, remember. Look, man, as silly as he is or whatever, as cartoony as he is, he's still super fun. And he ruled the 80s, man. I yeah, I yeah, still yeah. will watch crappy movies. Look, Tango and Cash is not a crappy movie. Tango and Cash is one of those iconic movies of when it was made that is so 80. It's so it's, of its time. It's perfect for That its it should time. be in a yeah. time capsule and taught in history classes of what that era was like. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I still, I still love the guy. He still is a great do you, movie maker.
2: Do you think that a lot of his... The roles he takes and all that is because he had a chip on his shoulder that he didn't win the Oscar for Rocky. Mm, I think after he didn't win the Oscar for Rocky, because I mean he did, he did, he literally passed on on a, a, when he was selling the script for Rocky. Mm-hmm. He passed on a much higher figure yeah. for it so he could act in it. Of course, because that was he knew that was his ticket. Right, but I mean, but I mean i I honestly think that for Rocky, I mean, this is a conversation for a rocky sure. episode, but, like, I really think that he was so mad that he didn't win for acting that it defined the rest of his career, possibly, I think he tried,
0: you know, I think yeah. I don't think I think the subsequent movies were still good movies, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, not yeah, that like, but I think once he hit Rambo and these iconic characters and then made Rocky more. Cartoony, you know, yeah. when he realized that he could be the face of propaganda and patriotism in America, he jumped <laughs> on that, yeah. tied that red band around his head, and was like, hey, here I am. give me some more baby oil. Of course, because it's, you know, yeah. why wouldn't you? I mean, he knew. No, it made money. Yeah, at the end of And day. he, you know, it's like you get sick of people telling you you're an idiot and telling him and all this crap. Yeah. The guy's an art collector. The guy's not a fool. No, 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 no. He's not dumb by any means. No, but he, he just. He just he is who he is. And he's yeah. always, you know, there's no way around him. He's The Rock. He's Arnold. Yeah. He's yeah. all these guys, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Hart. You know, there's yeah. all these guys yeah. that can never get away from who they are because their personalities are so huge. They are that character. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And they don't really have a lot of range, <laughs> very narrow range. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they kill. Cast... Although, although oh, let me oh, say something oh, nice. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. One thing, I think if, because Rocky is an amazing performance. Yeah. And and yeah. an amazing feat of independent filmmaking. Yeah. And yeah. He deserves every accolade for that. And I think if he went hungry still, he could have maybe been another Brando. Working with yeah. the right directors, yeah. getting rid of the control and not be, you know, I think if his if if he turned if he zigged instead of zagged, you know, but I think by the time all the money and everything was come to him, his his soul was out of it and he just was like, yeah. All right, let me work out and see the lines.
2: Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so Richard Crenna was playing Colonel Sam Troutman. I love Richard Crenna. Richard Crenna's fantastic. Uh, he starred in such motion pictures as The Sand Pebbles, a 1966 war epic. Nice. Wait Until Dark, a 1967 psychological thriller. Yep. Un a 1972 French crime film. Body Heat, a 1981 neo-noir erotic crime thriller, thriller directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Great Catherine. movie. Fantastic movie. And The Flamingo Kid in 1984 directed by Gary Marshall. Uh, he was trained. To kill! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard Krenna started on radio dramas in the 40s moved to TV in the 50s and directed a, actually directed a bunch of TV stuff in the 60s Yeah,
0: like, well everybody did everything back then yeah, it was just yeah. kind of a it was like a band of theater weird
2: was, weirdos that just kind of did stuff. It was a small tent and they just kept exactly. pulling in other people like oh you you're acting this okay. Uh, in 1985 Richard Crenna actually won the primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie for his portrayal of the title role in The Rape of Richard Beck, also known as Deadly Deadly Justice. Justice. Uh, Just a short synopsis, because I thought this was uh, interesting, the way it was written. Richard Beck is a police detective who believes that rape victims are, quote-unquote, asking for it until he is raped by two male suspects, and then he comes to question his beliefs. All right, wait a minute.
0: I know I said they were asking for it,
2: but now that it's happened to me, and I
0: don't remember asking for it. I mean, (laughs) I was a little drunk, but I don't remember. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe. Maybe. He won an Emmy for that. <laughs> well, it's a super it's a, it's a great movie. I mean, it, edgy it's a, role. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, man, it was that's
2: not something that anybody talked about. I just, I just love the fact that the synopsis leads it to believe that he could still go, No, they're still asking for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well,
0: I I was wearing some pretty short shorts.
2: <laughs> wearing my, my Speedo underwears and they just couldn't help themselves. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Charles Napier as Major Marshal Roger T. Murdoch. One of my favorite character actors. He's so phenomenal. Has the greatest smile ever. Got a great gravelly voice, too. (laughs) He was frequently cast as police officers, soldiers, or authority figures, many of which were villains.
0: He had that voice, and I he think did.
2: he had
1: that accent, too.
2: He just sees being a bad guy. Like, it's really great. Or a man of authority. Yeah, yeah. He's always. He made numerous collaborations with director Jonathan Demi, including Something Wild in 1986 with Melanie Griffith, Jeff Daniels, and Ray Liotta. Oh, Ray Liotta. Yeah. Married to the Mob in 1988 with Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Modine, Dean Stockwell, Mercedes Rule, and Alec Baldwin. Oh, Dean Stockwell. Well, yeah. The Silence of the Lambs in 1991 with Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, he had his Aww, face ripped off. Anthony Hopkins. Oh, no, I'm just what? Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't <laughs> even joke, man. I'm kidding. It was uh, the, obviously Jonathan Demi's most famous movie. Uh, you got Sounds yourself famous. a second meal, Doc. <laughs> <And> that's <laughs> so great. That meal's going to be your face. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia in 1993 with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. He was the judge, right? Yeah. Uh, Beloved in 1998 with Oprah, Danny Glover, and Tandy Newton. Mm. Uh, And The Manchurian Candidate in 2004, the remake with Denzel Washington. Yeah, he was also uh, a voice in The Critic. Yes. Yes. Thanks. He was, uh, later on, he did a lot of voiceover work as he got older. He
0: was so good. He was my favorite part of The Critic because he played the owner of the TV station. Yeah. And he was just a nut. And he always, in animation, played like the nuttiest characters. (laughs) I think he loved it. Because he, like you said... He had to play all these very stern, you know, except for like uh, Austin Powers and yeah, some of the funny stuff yeah. that he got because people absolutely adored him and wanted to put him in every movie. Right, right. But I think he got to have a lot of fun with his voiceover stuff, yeah. and and it really showed because some of his
2: things are as. Wacky as wacky can be. Like when he played the short-tempered country singer Tucker McElroy in The Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. So great. I always forget he's in it, and then as soon as I think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, he's so fantastic in that movie. Uh, and in Austin Powers. Like, he had a fantastic career. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was just a, such fun to watch. One of those guys that as soon as you see him, you know who he is. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Fantastic. Steven Burkoff as Lieutenant Colonel Sergei T. Podovsky. Uh, Berkoff is a British actor, author, playwright, and theater director. His theater work is recognized for staging, uh, being staged with a heightened performance style, epon- eponymously known as Berkovian theater, which combines elements of physical theater, total theater, and expressionism. Right. Uh, his work has sometimes been viewed as a, as an example of in-your-face theater due to the intense presentation and taboo-breaking material in a number of his plays. Mm,
0: sounds familiar. <laughs> That's why I put it in. <laughs>
2: Sounds very much like the theater that Jim and I met at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on screen, he is known for his performances in villainous roles, including the portrayals of General Orlov in the James Bond film Octopussy in 1983. I'm going to kill you, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Victor Maitland in Beverly Hills Cop in 1984. Now that would be a neat trick. <laughs> and Adolf Hitler in the TV miniseries War Remembrance, which ran between 88 and 89. Hey, I don't <laughs> like others. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Stephen Burkhoff is amazing. I
0: He's a good oh, I love actor. him. He and never got that giant he, lump. And he has, still has that lump. In the middle of his forehead. I wonder if any time, like, when they were on the set and he, you know, they were running the coverage of the other actor and the director's like, uh, just focus on the lump. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: Where's my <laughs> eye line?
1: the lump. Right there.
2: Right there. The lump is a good eye line. Julian Nixon. God rest his soul. I don't know. Is he dead? No, I don't think so. I think he's still alive.
0: Then... Halen Hardy, keep it going, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about teasing you for your lump. Great career. Yeah, he's had a uh, yeah, he's a great actor. And a theater, uh,
2: you know, He's a th- he's a theater guy. I always got to give a shout out to the theater guys. Of
0: course, man, especially guys that are doing experimental and and different kinds of theater and trying to expand people's consciousness.
2: Well, and the fact that he was doing this weird theater stuff, yet still had a really great career. You know, I mean, yeah, it's awesome. That's the dream. Must have been a weirdo to be around. Hey, All right. you want to come to my play? Uh, being around the people we know at our weird theater, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say yes. It's yeah. only $15 a performance. Do you want? To? I need to
0: bring 10 actors to each performance, so I would really appreciate it if Mr. Ryan, Judge Reinhold and, and maybe you, Mr. Murphy, and could come to my
2: my play. Uh, Julia Nixon as Agent Ko Fuong Bao. Uh, uh, While attending the University of Hawaii, Nixon was a model in Honolulu. There she appeared in her first play, The Winter's Tale, Shakespearean part. Nice. Uh, After acting classes, community theater, and roles on Magnum (laughs) (laughs) P.I. She won the female lead in Rambo First Blood Part II, her big-screen acting debut. Uh, congratulations on your big-screen acting debut. (laughs) She appeared with Chuck Norris in Sidekicks in 1992.
0: Yes, I wanted to get her for my uh, ripoff of the, the uh, Rambo, the thing in action, but I, I couldn't get her until uh, There's, uh
2: movie. There's lot a of, lot of connections to Chuck Norris in this cast, Chucky Shucky Chuck always chasing Stallone. Yeah. Uh, she also appeared in Star Trek The Next Generation and in Deep Space Nine as two different characters. Nice. Uh, she appeared in the first season of Babylon 5. Uh, Got some sci-fi cred, yeah, yeah. She did a lot of TV stuff after the the movies. Uh, she had a recurring recurring role on the television series Walker, Texas Ranger, reuniting her with Chuck Norris. Yeah, they had to get her back. <laughs> Nixon was married to actor singer David Soul from 1987 to 1983. Uh, yeah, um, from Starsky and Hutch. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. Hutch. He's great. Yeah, he's he was fantastic.
0: Greatest love story.
2: Ever was between Starsky and Hutch. They had one daughter together named China Soul, Mm. who was also a singer-songwriter. I just thought the name was fantastic. (laughs) Uh, She was a practicing Scientologist, having joined the church in 1996. She credited the organization with helping to improve her health, and in 2008, she finally left the church entirely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Martin Cove is Michael Reed Erickson, perhaps best known for playing John Kreese, the evil sensei in the Karate Kid in 1984 and its two sequels. Sweep the leg. <laughs> what? He's... You heard me. Sweep the leg. Uh, he also has been reprising the role in Cobra Kai since 2018. God, he looks good. He's like a he looks like a bulldog. Yeah. He's just. I mean. Considering the guy's in his early 70s. He looks amazing. He is in incredible shape. Yeah, I mean, look, guy could kick my ass. Well, he's been doing martial arts since he was like 12. So I mean,
0: well, it shows. Yeah.
2: Always yeah. in. Take it's, care it's of yourself. It's cool to
0: see him back, too. He's another character
2: actor I always liked. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Uh, before Rambo First Blood Part Two, he appeared as Nero the Hero in Death Race 2000 in 1975. Yep. I f- love that movie so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was a regular on the TV series Cagney and Lacey from 1982 to 88. Hey, Victor is Becky. Yeah, hey. Victor is Becky, the police detective, finally not playing a, playing a bad guy.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he wasn't always on board with two lady caps. <laughs> Old is Becky.
2: Cove is the father of twins born in 1990, one of whom, Jesse, portrayed the young man who bullies the younger version of his father's character, John Creese, in flashbacks for season three and four of Cobra Kai. Oh, what a
0: dream come true. Yeah. Oh, I would have loved to play a part where I got to bully my dad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my stepdad. <laughs> that would be incredible.
0: Uh, he was just probably like, mm, oh, baby.
2: Yeah. George Chung is Lieutenant Tay. Uh, Chung is a Hong Kong actor and stuntman with an extensive career in American television and film, dating back to 1975.
0: Another actor, as soon as you see him, you yeah. know exactly who he is because he's been in everything.
2: He played a lot of Asian parts: Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Vietnamese, Mongolian, like essentially, which is a little racist. It's super. They just I kind mean, of threw him in. Yes, yeah. as Asian.
0: Well, it was like Italian guys playing Native Americans. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was. It
2: wasn't a. It, it wasn't a lot of. Uh, You know, thought about a cultural appropriation and things like that back then. Uh, Chung's career focused primarily on television work, though he has had numerous supporting roles in films such as Robocop 2, Under Siege, and Fist of the North Star, in addition to Rambo First Blood Part 2. His television work includes... The Bionic Woman, Wonder
0: Woman, M.A.S.H., Magnum P.I., T.J. Hooker, MacGyver, Knight Rider, Kung Fu, The
2: Legend Continues, and Walker... Texas Ranger, uh, along with a hundred other things that we couldn't list. Uh, oh yeah, he also has had a pretty good career in video games, such as Halo
0: Two, The Matrix, The Path of Neo, Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, and Grand Theft Auto Five. Who is he in Grand Theft Auto? Wei Cheng. Oh yeah,
2: nice. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, yeah, he's had a really great career. I'm replaying I mean, that
0: now. I'm going to have to. You'll have to look watch out for, for him. him. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, so before filming started, Stallone went through intensive training to build the perfect musculature, <sighs> uh which is where he had his stroke. I believe yes, yeah, uh, the, his his lip is always kind of permanently yeah paralyzed half of his face, yeah, because he worked out like an idiot. He worked out super hard, and unnecessarily, I mean, nobody
0: knew how to do that then it was still nobody yeah. if you look back at at George Reeves and all the big bodybuilders at the time, they didn't have eight packs and they didn't have zero percent body fat they were just big guys with muscles and this was the first time that he stripped away every ounce of fat and it is not healthy no your body needs a certain amount of fat and a certain amount of you know it's it's not good when I was super skinny
2: it didn't feel great you know your organs I don't know it's just Well, that's what uh, Hugh Jackman always says. It's part of the reason he stopped playing Wolverine, because he was like, having to get to the point where I have muscles the way I do, like, it's awful. It's just awful. It is
0: all... Consuming your entire life is consumed by when you eat, when you work out, what you do.
2: He works out like eight hours a day, and all he eats is boiled chicken and broccoli, and that's it. And it's just—he's like, I just don't want to do it anymore. It's just too much. Well, not to mention the fact that now he's in his early fifties. Yeah, it's it's a lot harder to do. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just unhealthy. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not healthy. And to be honest, I think it's unnecessary. But of course, I don't think it's
0: necessary either. I think we. I don't know when we switched to the skinny is better. Because yeah. it wasn't like that. Marilyn no. Monroe certainly wasn't a skinny lady. And, she had an are And, you yeah. know, all, all the old actors pulled their pants up to their nips to cover their bellies. Yeah, You know, they had... There were slim guys with muscles, but it wasn't, you know... Everybody was pretty wafy. Yeah. yeah. And, he, like I said, he walks around in that movie like he's got a damn stick up his butt.
2: Yeah. and it, And it does... It looks like his muscles are too tight. The skin's yes. too tight, and he just is uncomfortable. Look, yeah, it's like every scene looks as if he just did a,
0: a thousand push-ups. I'm sure he. And he's like, you know, he's just sitting there. You know, his, his expression is the same because he's just clenching his stupid, <sighs> veiny muscles.
2: So it's just weird. I, yeah. I mean,
0: they they definitely
2: took advantage of it. I...
0: It changed society, man. Yeah, that
2: he and Arnold changed the way men are. But here's the thing, and I, and I don't want to lump Schwarzenegger in with Stallone that way because Schwarzenegger always did it healthy. Sure, and he was a bodybuilder. He was a bodybuilder. Body like, he knew what he was doing. And, and it's people like Stallone that go, no, i got to look just like that, yeah. and they didn't know how to do it properly, and they would almost kill themselves.
0: Well, there's just tons of supplements and tons of this and tons of that. And once you get into, like you know, protein powders and creatine and all this stuff that you need to take. It's just, what are you doing? What am I putting in my body? And what is the point why? of all this? Yeah,
2: why? I don't, I mean,
0: you know, do it's, you feel better? <laughs> <right>. <laughs> like... There's no reason he couldn't have had his shirt on and shot everybody, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it's like, he didn't no. need to be an action figure. And I think that's what it is. It was course, turning he was, these guys yeah. into action figures or video game yeah. protagonists. And it's Bold. just...
2: The poster for Rambo First Blood Part Two was one of the... Largest selling posters of all time. Yeah. Because uh, dudes wanted to throw it in their garage and have it's Ugh. like, look, there he is with the big gun, and yeah. that's what I want to be. There's my inspiration. And ladies yeah. were like,
0: that's my inspiration. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the film was shot between June and August 1984. It was shot on location in the state of Guerrero, Mexico, in Thailand. Uh, during filming, special effects man Clifford P. Wenger Jr. was accidentally killed by one of the film's explosions. Oh, no. That sucks. Uh, unusual for the time, a teaser trailer for the film, then titled First Blood Part Two: The Mission, which was Cameron's title for the script, yeah. was released in 3,000 theaters in the summer of 1984, right as the film started production, several months before any footage of the film was completed. Yeah, and then after that, it's all we get. Our, yeah. Our coming in 2027. It. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was literally just to capitalize on the popularity of the f- first film. Yep. Uh, Carol Coe was all over it. And and, and and rightfully so, because the movie made a ton of money. Yeah, I
0: mean, a lot of things of this movie have resonated throughout the rest yeah. of time. Yeah. You know, the over-building of your body, the yeah, I mean, marketing, the, the
2: beautiful f- song that we all sing every <laughs> Fourth of July by <laughs> Frank Stallone. Uh, so although the film was rated, rated R and directed at adults, tie-in toys were created for it. Uh, a lot of toys. You had one of the, the Stallone, the Rambo toys. Yeah, though. but
0: I bought it as a joke at like a gas station That's to true. put in my car. Yeah. I wasn't playing Rambo. You were playing Rambo toys. No, when you because were when 17. Rambo <laughs> Two came out, I was like fifteen or sixteen. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't right. Right. You were buying it ironically. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. Exactly.
0: But I, I really dug Stallone back then. Still, he was. You know, I was.
2: Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it.
0: You know, I I ran to the Rocky Three soundtrack. That oh, Rockner yeah. Wore out two tapes of
2: that on the nice. lock man. Nice, nice. Uh, the musical score was composed by Jerry Goldsmith, conducting the National Philharmonic Orchestra, although Goldsmith relied heavily on electronic synthesized elements in the film score. Uh, Goldsmith had won an Oscar for his score for The Omen in 1977. Nice. He's been nominated 18 times for Best Score by the Academy. Other notable works of Goldsmith's include The Sand Pebbles in 1966 star oh, Richard Trinna. I was in that. <laughs> Planet of the Apes in 1968, Ooh. which is one of my favorite scores of all time. Patton in 1970. Yeah, George
1: C. Scott is Patton.
2: Uh, Chinatown in 1974. It's Chinatown, Jake. <laughs> the Boys from Brazil in 1978.
0: Look at all the little baby Hitlers.
2: <laughs> and Star Trek The Motion Picture in
1: 1979.
2: <laughs> Feature! Uh and that was <laughs> and that <laughs> was did you that was only that was only a small amount of the movies that he's been working on. Uh he just come off scoring 3 films in 1984 including Gremlins, Supergirl and Runaway. Nice. Uh, yeah. Which again Gremlins one of my favorite scores of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I just had to include Runaway cuz I love that movie so much. <laughs> oh yeah. With uh um with Magnum and uh, Tom, yeah, and, Tom uh, Selleck. Yeah, Tom Selleck in a
0: futuristic Battling Gene
2: Simmons of Kiss, Gene I'm Simmons. Gene Simmons of Kiss,
0: and I'm going to get you. It was uh, Magnum one the, PI, one
2: of the only movies that Michael Crichton directed. I I love that well, movie. Well, eventually we're gonna do. There's it a reason why
0: it was one of the only <laughs> movies that Michael Crichton directed. because it was
2: so good. How can you do better than perfection? Yeah, but didn't he didn't also direct the. Uh, <laughs> he did. He
0: did his the adaptation of. Um, the Andromeda Strain, the TV movie? I think
2: so. He had directed a bunch of yeah. other stuff. It was the last thing that he had directed. I think he, he got out of it, out of that. Yeah, way to go out strong, buddy. <laughs> he scored, f- uh, Goldsmith scored four other films in 1985, along with... Uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. He also did Baby: Secret of the Lost
0: Legends. Yes, where they found a little baby brontosaurus. Little brontosaurus. It was
2: uh, it was pretty good. Uh, Explorers, the movie about the kids making the <sighs> spaceship. Such a letdown. Such yeah. a letdown. The third act of that movie blows. Oof. And mm,
0: could not get behind a young Ethan Hawke. What a whiny little
2: Weinstein. Ah, <laughs> blech. Uh, he also did 1985 Legend with Tom Cruise.
0: Great, underrated movie. movie. Yeah. I haven't
2: yeah. seen that in a long time. Tim Curry. Oh, yeah, Tim it's Curry. Yeah, so great. And King Solomon's Mines, the action adventure movie based off the 1885 novel. Yes, that was just made to rip off Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes, it was definitely. With Richard C- Chamberlain. Cashin, yeah. yeah. From Shogun. The main song in Rambo First Blood Part 2 is sung by Stallone's brother, singer-songwriter Frank Stallone.
0: Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful ditty.
2: I gotta say, I gotta say, you watch this whole movie, you just watch his brother kill a bunch of people, and then this song comes on over the credits, and it's like, I'm sorry, what movie am I watching? It's not uh, apt. No, there's a
0: lot of peace talk. It's in. very odd. Beautiful, beautiful song. It's sung still at most ball games on the fourth of July.
2: <laughs> uh, so, Rambo: First Blood Part Two opened in a then-record 2,074 theaters. Yeah, they weren't taking anything to chance. No, it was the first film to be released in over 2,000 theaters in the United States, and it was the number one film that weekend, grossing just over 20 million dollars. Yeah, you would
0: think that you know, Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back. Return of the Jedi, yeah, but no. no, it took Rambo Part it Two. Was, it was it took America. <laughs> well, there also was the explosion of the multiplexes. Yeah, in it the eighties, the that, big eighties. Yeah. That made it that there were a lot more theaters available. Yes, so yes, and there wasn't much independent cinema that was playing in theaters in the eighties no, either. No. It was all pretty much big budget stuff. So, yeah, I mean it. It came these guys came around at just the right time,
2: and everything yeah. kind of clicked into place to make this. Uh, You know the the hit of the the year, right? Right. Overall, the film grossed over one hundred and fifty million dollars in the U.S. and Canada, and just under one hundred and fifty million dollars internationally. So three hundred up close? Yeah, just about just over three hundred. The movie broke various international box office records. In France, the film had a record opening day with almost two hundred and seventy thousand admissions. Good lord! The French really liked watching Stallone kill people. (laughs) He's got very good muscles. Unfortunately, responses from the critics were mixed. Uh, Vincent Canby of the New York Times called the film... Almost as opportunistic as the congressman it pretends to abhor.
0: In spite of everything it says, it's much less interested in the M.I.I. question than it is in finding a topical frame for the kind of action-adventure film in which Mr. Stallone, his torso and his vacant stare, can do what his fans like best, that is fight, outwit, and kill, usually all by himself. Dozens of far better armed but lesser mortals. Variety wrote, The charade on screen, which is not pulled off, is to accept that the underdog Rambo character, albeit with machine-gun-wielding help of an attractive Vietnamese girl, can waste hordes of Viet Cong and Red Army contingents en route to hauling POWs to a Thai air base in a smoking Russian chopper with only a facial scar from a branding iron knife point, Marring his tough guy figure, you never see him eating in this fantasy as if his body feeds on itself.
2: He never poops either. There's no pooping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, However, Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune gave the film three stars out of four and called it very good
0: at what it does but what it does isn't always that good it takes us back to the image of the yellow pearl to the notion that white is right and other colors are wrong Yet he still gave it three out of four stars.
2: Yeah, what the hell, man? What the hell? <laughs> it's literally like, this is bad for the country,
0: but go watch it. It's great. Gene Sisko had just he thought way too much of himself. He yeah. was just, you know,
2: they, they gave him too much power. Him and Stallone had Once they too took him off of lot. PBS,
0: man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once yeah. they syndicated those sons of bitches. They amazing. had too much
2: power. Uh, the movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Sound Editing. Uh, it was okay. also nominated for eight Razzie Awards, yeah. winning for...
0: Worst picture, worst screenplay for Sylvester Stallone and James
2: Cameron, worst actor for Sylvester Stallone and worst original result for Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, it was also nominated for like three others, but it didn't win them. Uh-huh. Oh. Julia Nixon actually got nominated twice for the oh. Razzies and it's like, come on, man. It's not yeah. her fault. I'm not a big fan of the Razzie Awards. I I, eh. I think they could be funny, but I think... They used to be funny, but it just like, get mean. Yeah, eh. yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, a well, t- I mean, right. come on. I mean, there's a lot of actors that have sense of humor and yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a, have a sense of humor about it and
2: they'll even go accept their Razzie. Well, that's it. Sandra Bullock, literally the same day she won an <laughs> yeah. Academy Award. She won and accepted her Razzie. That's she so was awesome. like, all right, like, whatever. I earned them both. It was for, I believe it was for the same movie. Uh, a tie-in video game for Rambo First Blood two, Part 2 was released for the Sega Master System. Sega! Uh, the 1986 run-and-gun shooter arcade hit Akari Warriors was originally intended by its developer SNK to be an official licensed adaptation of Rambo. However, they were initially unable to acquire the rights to the film. Aww. This resulted in the game's title being changed to Akari, referencing part of the film's Japanese title, uh, Rambo Akari no Dashutsu, meaning Rambo, The Furious Escape. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> it's a great title. After the game made its North American debut at an arcade game expo, they managed to get in touch with Sylvester Stallone about acquiring the rights to the film.
1: Hello? Hey, you want to put name game? It sounds pretty good.
2: Okay, no problem. Uh, however, it was too late by that point, as the game had already become popularly known by its Japanese title among arcade players in Japan and North America, leading to the game being officially released as Akari Warriors in North America. Hey, what do
1: you mean it's too late? Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I get it, okay.
2: Uh, I love you. Stone was actually friends with SNK's president at the time and actually owned an Akari Warriors arcade cabinet. Thanks for the cabinet. (laughs) The movie spawned a ton of imitators around the world, including Missing in Action in 1984, the Chuck Norris preemptive cash-in on the POW-MIA crisis. Let's do what he did. We're going to get him. It was literally the the biggest criticism of that movie was that they knew that this, that Rambo First Blood Part Two was coming mm-hmm. out, and they just rushed it through and released yeah, it. Yeah, that's why I, you know, Chuck Norris. A huge fan far, of Chuck Norris. No, I don't. I just feel badly for Chuck,
0: Chuck Norris because it just seems like he's always one step behind all the other yeah. action guys, and he just was like, F it. I'll do Texas walker texas ranger <laughs> and then finally found a niche that yeah. everybody could deal with and then he, he was great in yeah. that show it was fun but my it was like that show.
2: all of his movies are just except for lone wolf McQuade, yeah which is awesome well i missing nation was great because it, uh, it was his character was uh braddock and i mm-hmm. my best friend damien and i every time we would make fun of each other it was always calling each other braddock i don't braddock. know why yeah uh, <clears throat> uh strike commando an italian ripoff that came out in 1987 yeah and uh, Second Blood, a 2016 Kuwaiti action film that literally just completely ripped off a movie 40 years old. I'd like to know how they explained Second Blood. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, first
0: Blood has been... Well, this is The Second Blood. Second Blood,
2: yeah. Uh, the movie is also parodied in a number of films, like UHF in 1989, with Weird Al playing the part of Rambo to save his buddy from rival TV station owners. Wasn't the buddy played by... Michael Richards. Yes. Uh, Spadowski. <sighs> hey, Jerry. Stewie Spadowski. Uh, Stallone actually initially agreed to make a cameo appearance in the sequence, but ultimately declined. In UHF? Yeah. Oh, man, see, yeah. that would have been awesome. It was show sure, they had a sense of humor about himself, but tiny little, yeah. you
0: know... yeah. Tiny little man, <laughs> big old ego. It would have been great. I think he missed out on a lot of stuff I, by being kind of full of
2: himself. Yeah, yeah, and
0: and I I I really like Stallone. Look, he was yeah. a huge part yeah. of my youth growing up, and as stupid, crazy, and dumb as his movies are, yeah. I still love him. And... I, I
2: still think him of him very positively. Yeah. Like he's still fun to watch, and I mean, whenever he pops up and stuff, I'm like, "Hey, I haven't seen him in anything in a while." Uh, the last thing that I saw him in was that little cameo in the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh, which was great. Which was, I mean, it wasn't a lot, no, but, but it was fun. But I, but that movie he did, uh, where he had to escape from the prison. I don't remember. Uh, what it was, I think it might have been called Escape from Prison or something. But yeah, I, there's a
0: few of those. I thought
2: it was entertaining. It was I thought it was entertaining. It was fun. It was, it's
0: just he's got that problem, too, where it's like, dude, you're going to get old, bud. Yeah. You're going to have to stop with the surgery and yeah. the, with the human growth hormone and all this stuff because you're just looking like a monster. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. look good, buddy. Yeah. You don't. You did. You were one of the most beautiful men. Yeah. Ever to cross the screen with your
2: tiny little body. But now... Time to let it go, bud. Can't put that genie back in the bottle. Just get old. Yeah. Uh, another parody was Hot Shots Part Deux, which oh, yeah. had Richard Krenna actually reprising his role of Colonel Troutman. There's a guy who had a good sense of humor about himself. Yes. A novelization of the film was written by David Morrell, who actually wrote the 1972 novel that First Blood was based on. Full circle. Yeah. Take it all the Circle back. of life in Hollywood. And, of course, the Rambo franchise continued because the movie made so much money with Rambo 3 in 1988 and then 20 years later with the eponymous rambo and then rambo last blood in 2019.
0: Okay, now like I said, like rambo 2 isn't a fantastical 100% propaganda movie. It was wish fulfillment. It it and, grows into that. Yeah. And then it turns into just a kill fest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it is the bridge between a grounded great movie about and honestly, first blood is a character study. Yeah. About about a a, prejudice. A, and a veteran, yeah. Yeah. A a veteran dealing with PTSD. Yeah. Dealing with the loss of all of his brothers, who's been pushed around too much. And, and and it's it is him losing it after being pushed too hard. Yeah. And the sheriff just wanting to protect his town sees this guy as like a hippie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a good character study of both characters. And it the way it escalates seems real and even though he puts all the traps and the stuff out there yeah yeah it doesn't seem outlandish or crazy and it culminates in a really great scene of him just talking about how his friend and he were going to like I always make fun of it with, uh, it's my go-to line fun funny looking things but it's that scene is really deep you know he's talking yeah. about his buddy who was we going to drive around in his convertible and his legs were all blown apart and it was really the first time we really got kind of a that real visceral feeling of Vietnam, yeah, you know, yeah. as people, who, you know, it, tangentially, I'm not saying that this conveyed any sort of the real horrors that these people went through who served mm-hmm. in Vietnam, but we were starting to get a real picture of what the truth was for some of them, right, right? right? And I think this kind of started off with good intentions, but turned into propaganda, which then when we get to three in Afghanistan and it's, and now it's not even a proxy war with the Russians. Now we're just 100% (laughs) at war with the Russians. And he pretty much solidified himself as the American proxy versus the Russian proxy, whether it's, you know, uh, Rocky four or Rambo three, you know, he was fighting the Russians for us and winning. And that was his job in the eighties, be as buff as you can and be our wish fulfillment guy. And and yeah. you know, it's He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. And rah rah Reagan, and there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but the first movie's great and the second movie is good.
2: Yeah, it's not it's fun. I mean yeah. it's 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 not terrible. I mean it's fun to watch. Yeah. Like it does it you see that moment in the movie when he gets in that helicopter and it's just like I'm killing everything. Yeah,
0: and these are so really good time capsule movies of the era. Yeah. And how it's interesting to see how, through cinema, America kind of deals with its wounds. You know, the first Vietnam movie was uh, Green Berets right, with right. John Wayne trying to Which was not propaganda Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Trying to propaganda and just didn't work. Yeah. And, you know, then we had Apocalypse Now, which was, you, which still, uh, yeah, because yeah. it was based on Heart of Darkness. Right. It's, and it had yeah. its own theme. It, it had the horrors of Vietnam, but it was told in a way that was very stylized. Yeah, yeah. And seemed like its own nightmare. Right, right version of what yeah, it was, yeah. and you know then we have the answer to that, which is like, well, let's
2: let's retell the story and yeah. let's make it so we win. Yeah, which is the really interesting part. The uh, 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 first blood was that it was based on a novel that came out in 1972. Right, and like I mean, they this stuff has been covered extensively with books since the war started. Yeah, and it wasn't him against the Viet Cong; it was
0: him against yeah. a bunch of. Small-minded sheriffs it was, and deputies.
2: It was an allegory for them coming home and yeah. the world being very exactly. different and attacking and him. being hated, yeah. like for for everything out of their control. And even some of the deputies are like, you know, we're
0: going too far on this. Yeah, you know, unless yeah. they find out he was this war hero, and it's just a great movie. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to do that. But it didn't. The reason why we started with two was because it was the bridge, yeah. to yeah. propaganda, which this month is pretty much all about
2: raw, yes. raw, 80s all Reagan propaganda, propaganda films.
0: <laughs> and they served their purpose. But unfortunately, I think their purpose yeah. was, you know, to get kids into the military. And to get and, people
2: to love them guns. Oh, yeah.
0: And it did. It did. 100%. I mean, yeah. it's part of our gun culture. These revenge films that I think the Rambo franchise... Spawned a lot of them. Yeah, there was Death Wish, and there was a lot of other revenge movies that came yeah. out. But there were these gleeful revenge movies, where like Death Wish was, it was a revenge fantasy, but you know it wasn't. It was gritty still. Yeah. But these were like a gleeful celebration of revenge. Of yeah. Yes, we're finally getting back yeah, these Viet yeah. Kong animals that took yeah. our guys and these
2: Russian heartless, godless Russians. It's it's trying really hard to put purpose into a war that had none. Exactly. And, exactly. And it and it and it it won. I mean, it won. Like yeah. they did it with all this stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're out of time. So uh yeah. that's all we got. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll be back uh we got a, a f- actually got five weeks this this month. Yes, we so do. you got four awesome America F movies. Yeah, we do. Uh we're also gonna have uh Top Gun yeah. and um Rocky IV. Yeah, and Red Dawn.
1: Avenge me, boys!
2: I'm Avenge me! Excited for all three of these movies. I've not seen any of them in a long time. So oh, this is a great.
0: This is a great lineup for your July 4th. Yeah. Just to put in the background if you're having parties or people over. You can't go wrong with these flicks. We'll be back next week with some more goody goods. Welcome to the Gen X-Files, I'm Jim,
2: I'm Adam, (laughs) (laughs) and
0: today's show is all about Rambo First Blood Part 2, it's the full-time Rambo First Blood Part (laughs) 2. We now return you to your regularly
1: scheduled programming, The Odd Couple, already in progress.